You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, lately, I've had that question in my heart, and, and I'm humbled when I read the book of Acts, and I think that's God. I think that's the Holy Spirit inviting me, inviting you if you felt that way, guiding us to ask Is there any difference between how I followed Jesus and how those women and men did? What would it take for me to have a faith like that? What what do I need to do? What would it take for me to do that? So as we read chapter 4, I want to show you something. Okay, you see, the difference between us and the first disciples is not, is not that they had so much more faith than you do or than I do. That's not the difference. The difference is between, uh, between us is what, is what or, or in whom we put our faith. What are we putting our faith in? So let's see what we can learn as we turn to Acts chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Acts chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. It's also going to be on the screen. Maybe you had a portion given to you in a little red card as you came in. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And if you're able and you're willing, could you stand with me as we read God's word together? All right, this is Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, Peter and John... As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in prison until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the just the men, the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, the old high priest, and Caiaphas was there, as well as John and Alexander and all of the high priestly descent. So the whole high priestly family. And when they had placed uh, them in the center, that's Peter and John, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're on trial today for a benefit to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone, speaking of Jesus. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which has become the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed, and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. 
But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What are we to do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people. Let's warn them not to speak any longer to any person in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Good luck. But, Jesus, but Peter, that's, that's my version. <laughs> but Peter and John answered and said to them, listen to what they say. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, make your own judgment. For we cannot stop sp- speaking about what we've seen and heard. When they threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of other people. Sorry, on account of the people. Because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man on whom this miracle of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and it's been given to us in love. And so we can say, thanks be to God. I encourage you to pray with me and leave your Bibles open. Father, thank you today for your word that it is, uh, it is amazing in its truth and its relevance for our life today. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you would open our hearts to understand what it is you're saying to each one of us. What are you saying to me today? What are you saying to each person that's here and listening to my voice? Would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Please have your seats. Like I said, you can leave your Bible open. We're going to be in and out of the scripture today. I mean, listen, there is a lot that we could say. There's a lot that we could say about this passage, and I believe God is teaching us many, many things. You could hear probably 20 sermons on this text, and none of them would be the same. But today, I want to talk to you specifically about your faith. pastor wants to talk about faith. All right. I want to talk to you about your faith. Why? I feel God's inviting me into a moment in my life and your life, our shared life, to talk about what, what, where we can ask the scriptures, what about my faith? How could I have a faith like that? How could I have a faith like that? Conventional wisdom would say, right, straight shooters, and you want a faith like that, just become more devoted to God. In other words, get off your butt and do something with your faith. And I think, honestly, there's some truth to that. We could all learn from that. But more specifically, I want to talk about how. How do I get a faith like that? How specifically can I have a faith like this where I can defy, you know, courtrooms and I can defy uh, even, even the most difficult situations? How can we have a faith like the disciples? Luke is teaching us how to be faithful under pressure. How do you be faithful under pressure? The way he goes about doing this is by telling the story of how the persecution began in the Christian church. So in Acts chapter 4, we have the first, other than Christ obviously being crucified, we have the the church being persecuted for the first time. What happens, if you were here last week, you heard David preach on the healing. John and Peter are on their way to the temple, and they see an invalid man, a crippled man, and and it's blowing up in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, the religious leaders take notice. Peter is capitalizing on this healing. And he's, he's using it as the crystallization of God's message of what Jesus has done in this world. That as this lame man was healed because he put his faith in Jesus, so you and I can be healed 
from our sins as we put our faith in Jesus. And it's this point that the cultural elite, mostly religious, the Sadducees and others, take notice and jail <laughs> Peter and John. They don't know what to do. Put them in jail. We've got to figure this out. So I think it's important to note uh, Luke is a historian. Maybe you noticed him listing some names. The reason he lists those names is because this is actually the very same group of people that put Jesus on trial, that put Jesus on the cross. And so John and Peter are in the very same sort of trial that Jesus was. A night in jail, and then they're going to go see the same court that crucified their Lord. And in the same way, these corrupt, these corrupt judges question them. Even, the, even similar language, right? What do they say? Where do you get your authority from? Like Luke 21. Where, do you, where, where are you getting your authority from? In what name and in whose power are you proclaiming all this nonsense about the resurrection? Did you notice? Did you notice whose name and whose power? I think it was hard to miss whose name. But in, in verse 8, what does it say? It says, Then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the power. Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, what does he say? In the na- by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What is he gives them? Their, he gives them their na- his name and his address. <laughs> says, yeah, whom you killed, who God raised from the dead, this Jesus. Peter's on fire as he speaks to the court and he speaks power. He speaks truth to power. He, he names injustice. He proclaims the good work of Jesus' followers. He points to the positive impact that the community's having on the city. He points to this healed man. He preaches with boldness that Jesus is the fulfillment that Israel wants. And he invites his very accusers to put their faith in this name. Of what was going on in the room, Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they dumbfound the elites, right? They speak truth to power. And so the court has to reconvene. This whole time, right, they sent the temple guard to, to, rough, to rough them up and throw them in prison for the night and then intimidate them before a court. How do Peter and John do it? How do they do it? How do they keep their faith under pressure? I want to know. Let's look at the passage again. If you have your Bible, look at verse 15 with me. But when they ordered them to leave the council... Right? They began to confer with one another, saying, what are we going to do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So, but so that it will not spread any further among the people, let's warn them not to speak any longer to any person in this name. And when they summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all. But listen to what Peter and John have to say to this. Listen to their response. But Peter and John answer them saying, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, make your own judgment. Right? We made ours. For we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. I mean, dang, man. Like, look at, look at the stones on these guys. Like, how are they doing that? How do they have so much boldness? How are they filled with so much courage? How do they have so much faith? What is the difference? I want that. I want that in my life. I want that in your life. Have they, is it because they've just assigned themselves to the way of the cross? We're going the way of Jesus now, right? We were in jail just like Jesus. We're in court just like Jesus. We're going to go to the cross just like Jesus. We're going to go out swinging. 
we're not going to go down as cowards. We're going to go down with the truth. Is that what's happening? Wouldn't they be afraid? Wouldn't they be afraid of these guys? Shouldn't they be? Well, they're not afraid of the religious peons in front of them. They're not afraid of these wimps. They're not afraid of these cowards sitting in front of them. What they're afraid of is going against what they know to be most true and most certain about all of reality. They're afraid of going against their experience with Jesus. They're afraid, against going against, they're afraid of going against their witness of his resurrection from the dead. They're afraid of going against this power of the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in their life so that a man is healed standing with them. How can they go against that? In the sight of God or in the sight of these men whose eyes are more important? You see, the only thing Peter and John were afraid of is living a lie. Almost as if they're going to say, don't you think, <laughs> don't you think we're going to follow the resurrected Lord of the universe over you? Right? Come on, man. There's no chance we're following what you're saying. We've already decided. We cannot lie about what we've seen and what we've heard. How were they able to keep their faith under pressure and not give up on, on, on Christ? How are, they, how are they able to do that? Um, in one sense... In one sense, the, when, when you fear or when you have a healthy respect, a, a reverence and a love for God, that fear of God is, is the death of every other fear. All right? Put it another way. When you put your faith in God, there is no need to fear. There's nothing that can overwhelm you. And it's true in the case of Peter and John. They stood before corrupt judges. They didn't need to fear their judgment. Even even what they could offer worse, right? The, the death of Jesus. Even the death of Jesus was gongered in his resurrection. So now they can say, what can man do to me? They put their faith in Jesus. And listen how Peter works his argument. They put their faith in Jesus for he is the only one in who we can put our faith. Listen, listen to the formula. In who I can put my faith and find salvation. Okay? He's the only one in who I can put my faith and find salvation. So as the lame man experiences salvation in the form of healing from his illness, so salvation in the sense of forgiveness is available for everyone who puts their faith in the name of Jesus Christ. So what's the difference between the disciples and faith and our faith? It's not that weaker faith and they have stronger faith. That's not important. Listen to what Peter says in verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. You see, having extraordinary faith in myself isn't helping anybody, okay? You having extraordinary faith in, in who you are and what you can do isn't going to help anybody. You having, you having unworldly faith in your, in your education is not going to heal a single soul. Right? You having confidence in your ability, confident with faith. You having faith in your ability will eventually fail you. You're eventually going to fail. You could put your faith in anything, but will it save you? Even the smallest bit of faith, even a coward's faith, even Peter's faith. Okay? 
even the smallest bit of faith, when it's placed in Jesus, that faith can save you. That faith can save. It's not the strength of your faith that saves you. It's the strength of the person in who you're putting your faith. Where is your faith? What's the location? The difference between us and the first disciples is not that they had so much more faith and that we don't have enough faith. But instead, the difference have faith that stands up to pressure. Stop thinking about how strong your faith is and start thinking about where you're putting it. Start thinking about the location of your faith. Do you have faith? Yeah, I have faith. Where are you putting it? What is it in? Let me give you an example, okay, so you can catch my meaning. Uh, Tiffany and I just got back from our long-delayed uh, and promised to our daughters trip to Florida for Disney World and the whole bit, right? And then, as, as you know, in Florida very recently, there was a hurricane, and so obviously I took that as God's word, never come back to Disney World, right? That's what, <laughs> no, I'm totally joking. But uh, Tiff's like, death stare. No. So Hurricane Ian was there while we were there. It was in, in Florida for a few days. Category one hurricane throughout most of its time in Florida. Uh, when you go and sit in a hurricane, you're going to understand what I mean when I ask you, where are you putting your faith? Where are you putting it? Okay. Where's the location of it? What's its address? We were without power for several days, right? Floodwaters had totaled some cars we'd seen. Some homes were fully flooded out. Everywhere you look, trees are down. Earth is ripped up. We went down to the Walmart just before um, the storm made landfall and make sure we had enough water and food for the week, right? That's what the news was telling us to do. Uh, the, the Walmart parking lot was a zoo. Like, it was It was crazy. It was crazy. By the time we had, the shelves were emptied. By the time, you got to find a place to be. Because if it gets bad, you're going to have to rely upon the construction of the building for better, for worse. Okay? So I'm thankful for the worst that we faced, or sort of thing. I feel very grateful for that. But when a hurricane comes, you seek to put your life Somewhere, <laughs> you, you seek to find a building to hide from the storm. You put your faith in a brick-and-mortar location. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if you come running in at the last minute, the storm is at your back, and you finally get inside from the wind and the rain. It doesn't matter if that's you or if you're the person who's been in your bunker for three months with three, you know, with three years of food and supplies. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you're in the building when the storm happens. How well you get into the building doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with you. The only thing that matters is that you get in before the storm. What does it take to have a faith like the disciples? Are they extraordinary people? Right? No, we know this. They're not extraordinary people. Jesus uses the least of these. Right? We think, oh, we got to do everything that they did. Got to go become fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. No, that, that's not what Scripture is calling us to do. Does God using them, Peter and John, have anything to do with their ability? No. It has nothing to do with their ability. The only way it has anything to do with their ability is they took their faith out of every other name, every other religious system, every other political power, every other sense of fulfillment, and they put it 
in Christ, the only one that can save. They put it in the one name, for in him alone there is salvation. There's many places that we try to house our faith. We put faith in others, other things, other people, right? We put faith in ourselves sometimes. Most of the time we put it in our ability or our understanding. The disciples were tempted to do this. They must have been tempted to do this, right? It must have been scary going to the same court that crucified threats. Because we can put our faith in many things. But not all things give us salvation from death. What can? Only Christ. And you see, this is why Peter is dauntless. This is why Peter is is bold before these people. Because he has put his faith in the only thing that can give him salvation. That's why he can condescend to religious kingpins. This is what he says in verse 10. Let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel. Let it be known to you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified. These guys have the power to kill him right now. And this is what he says. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By this name, this man stands before you. He goes on. He is the stone. He is the foundation which was rejected by you. The builders which has become the chief cornerstone. Peter and John are dauntless because even the threat of death has been overcome in Jesus. They could stand up to death threats with ease. It seems like they have ease. Why? Because threats of violence are emptied of their power in Jesus' name. What can man do to me? No chance. They don't need to trust in the judgment of others They don't need to put their faith in their ability to protect their own lives. They don't need to put their faith in their education or their ability to impress religious leaders. You know, it's ironic. Um, In English, (laughs) the the word translated as as, uh, uneducated, right, is is actually idiotai. (laughs) So it also sounds like they're idiots, right? The the, the Greek word is idiotai. They had no education. (laughs) They could see that they were idiotai. (laughs) They must have been with Jesus, right? They had no education. They they didn't have any grammatical skills, and yet they're dumbfounding religious elite. All they needed to do was simply keep putting their faith in Jesus. They needed to be faithful to remain in the shelter. You see, in the storm, you'll be fine as long as you remain in the shelter, as long as you put your faith in the shelter, had Peter and John tried to protect their own livelihood, make political moves, removed themselves from trusting in Jesus and maybe trusting in their own power, things may have gone differently, but they didn't. This wouldn't be the first time or the, this wouldn't be the last time that John and Peter are in court or even persecuted. It wouldn't be the last time the church would be persecuted. They can't deny the reality of their experience. I love how Gordon Fee, a commentator and hero of mine, puts it. This is what he says of the resurrection. He says, for the disciples, the resurrection of Jesus, right, for you and me, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is not a matter of creed. It was the singular reality that conditioned his entire existence. Those sure events radicalize present Christian experience, excuse me, existence. All merely human judgments are nothing in light of final judgment. All merely human values 
which weigh things heavily toward what may appear to be favorable end of the scale, have already been judged and are now reversed by Christ himself. Listen, it's not the strength of your faith that saves you. It's not how good your faith is, but it's the strength of him upon whom you rely. You might have a weak faith. I feel that. You might have a feeble faith. I've been there. You might have almost no faith. You might have the faith the size of the mustard seed, but if you put it in the right person, you can move mountains. Do you see? The scriptures are showing us how to keep our faith under immense pressure we face. We can see that it's only as we put our faith in the one who can save us that this becomes possible. And as we do this, Jesus helps us remain faithful. Peter and John would be appalled, okay, if we made them the heroes of this story. Wow, they have such great faith. We'll never have a faith like that. It's not about who's closest to Jesus. It's not about who's, who's the most articulate. It's not, about, it's not about who's the most humble. It's not about any of those things. That's the wrong angle. It's not about how strong your faith is. Wrong angle. It's simply about Jesus and if you put your faith in him. Jesus is the hero. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation for life. He's the building we hide in. Any other cornerstone, any other cornerstone won't last. It's in him that we put our faith, no matter how weak and how fable. Okay, think of a child. Okay, think of a child. In many ways, children are helpless. Yet, in many ways, we're impressed with their faith. We see their faith and it. Wow, it it speaks to us. But who do children put their faith in? Mama. That's who they put their faith in, okay? Children put their faith in mom, usually, sometimes dad. All right? I remember I uh, I was hiking up to a suspension bridge, and there was a mother and a daughter, and they were... Uh, they were blocking, and I was a little bit frustrated, but they were blocking the entrance to the suspension bridge. I'm like, dude, be in the moment. Just watch what's happening. So I'm watching, watching what's happening, not getting frustrated. And there's this, there's this, this kid was fearful of this wobbly bridge, right? He doesn't want to walk across the bridge. She has no faith that that bridge is going to hold her no matter how many people have walked across it, right? She has no faith in her athletic ability to jump off the bridge if the bridge breaks, so what does mom do? Like classic mom, right? Gets down on one knee, right? Total textbook mom, knew, mom move. <laughs> Holds the child's hand. Says, hey, I'm going to hold your hand the whole time. Who, who does the kid have faith in? What is the kid putting their faith in? What location? In, in mom, Right? This is so similar to your faith, to my faith in Jesus. Like the young girl, we, we, we do have to cross the bridge. Okay, You do have to cross the bridge. You do have to face what you're facing. But in Christ, we have a mother who sees the pressure we are facing and promises to hold our hand. And I was thinking, what would Jesus say if he could speak to the persecuted church? What are the words he would use? <laughs> How would he speak to them? Thankfully, we have, we have that in Revelation. Jesus speaks to the persecuted church. In Revelation uh, 2, verse 8, Jesus is speaking to the church in Smyrna, or modern-day Izmir. That's actually a beautiful city. I've been there. It's in Turkey. And comes along, um, Jesus comes alongside the persecuted church, 
And I want to read this for you in verse 8. And listen to what Jesus says to the persecuted church. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, speaking of Jesus. He says this, I know, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you're rich. I know the slander by those who say they're Jews and are not, but are actually a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested. Think of Peter and John. And you will have tribulation for 10 days. And what's his encouragement? Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. You can put your faith in anything, but will it save you from death? Will it save you? What does he say? Does he say, I know what you're going through, right? I know what you're going through, and I'm going to lift it from you. I'm going to take it away so you can have a very comfortable life. Is that what he says? And he says, I know. I see. I see the pressure that you're facing. I see what you're under. I see the persecution all about you. I know. I'm with you. What does he say? What's his encouragement? Be faithful. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be faithful unto death. But listen, it's not about the size of your faith. It's about what you put it in. Here's the catch, though. The more faithful you are at putting your faith in Christ, all of it, but be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. The more faithful you are at putting all your faith in Christ, the more pressure you will face. This last week, my community group and I were studying learning of those who put their faith in Christ for salvation. You want to put your faith in Christ because he's the only one that can give you salvation, right? Okay, that's, that's the best decision. However, you need to hear the object is to hurt Christ and Christ's cause. You personally are of no interest to him. It's only as you relate to Christ or only as you put your faith in Christ that you assume significance in the enemy's eyes. This wouldn't be the last time John and Peter would end up in court being persecuted for Christ. Their message never changes. Not because how extraordinary, how extraordinary they were, how amazing they were, but simply because of the location of their faith. They would put it in Jesus and they would take it out of all of the things Disciples could have full faith because salvation, because healing, because resurrection all belong to the one in whom they're putting their faith. So it's not about them anymore. It's not, it's not about their strength anymore. It's not about their ability. They put their faith in a foundation and a cornerstone that would never fail, that would never succumb to the pressure. Evangelizing, preaching, gospel sharing, seeing healing happen in their life is common day for them putting their faith in Jesus. Now, telling truth to power, enduring hardship is entirely worth it. It's totally worth it. I like what uh, Nancy, Nancy Walgamuth, who's a Bible teacher and author, is what she said. She says, don't assume that you have to be extraordinary 
to be used by God. God specialized in using ordinary people whose limitations and weakness make them ideal showcases for his greatness and glory. You know, the, the religious leaders look at Peter and John and they see idiotize, okay? And they say, hmm, they must have been with Jesus. Look at their power. Put in their faith in the only one in whom they can rely. Where are you putting your faith? What is it in? Is it in, is it in yourself? What does it look like for you? I will say there is a way out of this pressure, and Daryl Johnson reminds us of this in his book. He says, okay, you don't want the pressure. You don't want the hardships. You don't want Satan to be your enemy. Okay, all you need to do is just stop loving Jesus. Don't take it seriously. Just become a one-day Sunday Christian. Put your faith in the economy. Put your faith in your finances. Put your faith in all these other things. Just don't put it in Jesus, and you won't face pressure. Then there will be no pressure. There will be no passion. There will be no salvation. You can put your faith in a lot of things, but can it save you? I love how he said it in his book. Uh, I know your pressure, says the one who loves us. In the nature of things... Listen closely. In the nature of things, he cannot lift it. Sustain us in it? Yes. Use it for his glory? Yes. But lift it? No. For his presence is the reason the pressure comes. When I remember that, I can keep going and even do so with a strange sort of joy. As you put your faith in Jesus, he is healing you. As you put your faith in Jesus, you find healing and the forgiveness of sins. You find new life. There is no other name by build your life upon will fall apart. It's Jesus who gives us the foundation from which to live our lives in worship of him. There's no other one. As we close, I want to pray. Uh, But before I pray, I do want to address a few of you. Uh, The first are those who uh, came today and might call, uh, might call, you might call yourself an agnostic, okay? Somebody that's exploring faith. And I just say, way to go for coming to church. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. I'm happy you're here. Uh, that was me. So I'm glad that you're here. Uh, perhaps you're not, you know, you're not fully there. You're, you're hearing what I'm saying, but you want to weigh things. You want to go home and, and think about it. I think, hey, by all means, you do what you think is right. I... I I have made, I admit, I have made some incredible claims today. Some big claims about your life, some big, some big claims about the reality of who you are, whose you are, that everything you do won't work unless you build your life in Jesus Christ. I will ask this, though. If you're thinking about it, okay, what, I just want to ask you, what are you putting your faith in? What is that thing? This life will end one day. Uh, Your life, my life, your life, our lives will end. And you're trusting that something is true, okay? You're either trusting that nothing's there, that we all just go into the the deep black, or we all just go to sleep, or you're hoping that everything's true. 
But what I'm asking you today is, what are you putting your faith in? And will it save you? Will it save you? Is it viable? Is it a good foundation for your life as your friend? I'm asking, how, how would you answer Peter's claim? That Jesus is the healer of your soul and that salvation is found in no one else. What does that look like for you today? Now, the second, second pe- person I want to address is the person who is believing what I'm saying. And you're saying, yeah, that's me. I am that. I, I want to put my faith in Jesus. He is the only foundation. He is the resurrection and the life. I want that. I want to overcome the fear of death. I want to be like this. I want faith like that. And I would say that's not anything other than the Holy Spirit working in your life right now. That's an amazing experience, what God's doing. He's speaking to you. Don't, don't shush that voice. God's moving in you in a big way. You're humbled by your helpless nature and you want to place your faith in God. So you're saying, help me. How do I do this? Okay, I want to pray with you, but I just want to celebrate that that is God doing an amazing thing in your life. The third person I want to address is the person who would say that they are a Christian. Okay, you are a Christian. Uh, But if you're honest, you're not living like it. You're not following God. You're, You're not putting your faith in God. You've lost sight of Christ. In the, in the pantheon of gods, you've lost sight of who Jesus is. And you want, you want to follow him. You've been putting your, your faith in something else. I don't know what it might be. Maybe it's your level of success. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your family's future. Maybe it's, God forbid, right, the economy, right? And you're starting to, see, uh, you're starting to feel the pressure. Maybe it's in your home. What, what is this thing? All right? Of course, come back into the house of Jesus Christ. There is an ocean of forgiveness. Every sin, like, like Anya said, our sins are separated us, separated from us as far as the east is from the Of course, there's grace. But learn from that moment. What is that thing that you, that you trusted more than him? What was it? And bring it to him. Ask him, Lord, help me. Help me to put all of my faith in you. Before I want to pray, I want to ask you, uh, what is it that you have put your faith in instead of Christ? Bring it to Jesus. Let him carry it. And hide yourself in him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you today for um, your word. Thank you for this this message that, uh, and this reminder from Peter in his boldness, Lord, that there is salvation in no other name there's, no, there's salvation in no other name that we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we take our faith out of all the systems of the world, all the, all the mechanisms that we've built up to find happiness and joy and peace, and we come to you, and we put our faith in you. We put our faith in, in God and God alone. And we ask, no matter what we face, <laughs> whether it's the threat of violence or, or, or difficult circumstances, whatever pressure our faith comes under, Lord, we, we hide ourselves in you and you alone. Help us, Father. Jesus, you said you're going to be with us. You said, I know. I know. I'm here with you. I know. I know what you're going through. Be faithful unto death. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us as we, as we face pressure. We thank you that, that you don't leave us alone. You will never leave, never forsake, even to the end of the age. You're always with us. And so, Father, we hold on to that promise. We ask for strength by your Holy Spirit. 
God, make us a courageous people. (laughs) Make us a people that long to live uh, totally sold out for Jesus. All of our faith resting in you and you alone. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.